0: One two, one
1: two. Is this shit on, Ryan? What they do, do, baby? Hello, friend. How
0: are you? What's hatching in? I'm doing okay, bud. That's my guy. Uh, That's my what's guy. What's happening
1: in the in the land of the the Copperood? One. I guess there's <laughs> just one.
0: <laughs> there's only one. There's only one. I am married, but there's only one uh, shit, man. I'm all right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Shit's good. <laughs> you got a fancy new setup today? A little bit, a little bit. Trying to, you know. We'll see fuck, if it works. Fu- <laughs> fuck with me. We grown now. Uh, hopefully this
1: doesn't sound like hell when you're hearing it.
0: To help, yeah, hopefully the intent of some new equipment is for this to sound better. Right. But you know us. We fuck yeah. things up. I'm (laughs) I'm for sure capable of doing the opposite, so we're going to see. Oh, boy. What are you you sipping there, bruv? I'm drinking a little gin and lemonade.
1: Okay. A little summertime Bev. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. It's It's fucking hotter than balls outside today.
0: I will say it's technically a gin and tonic and lemonade, but what I didn't know when I poured the tonic in my beverage is that it was flat, which makes... Flat tonic Ooh, water yucky. just water, so it's mostly just a gin and lemonade Wait, at that point. Tonic water is not just water, though. You mean soda? No, I mean there's quinine and shit in there. Like there's other flavors. I just the, mean it does Jedi? not have the it does not have one of its most intended purposes, which is bubbles.
1: Sure, sure. Just put it put the whole drink into the uh, soda stream real quick.
0: Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I don't. We don't have a Soda Stream, man. Every time you guys oh. use yours, I'm like, huh? Oh. That looks pretty cool, man. Yeah, you're missing out, dude. What's the craziest thing you've Soda Streamed? Did you ever just well, like get drunk and do something absolutely crazy with a Soda Stream?
1: So the thing is, there's a lot of pressure when you're doing it, right? Literally and, and they-
0: figuratively.
1: I just meant literally. I don't know what the figuratively would
0: be. What if you (laughs) fuck up your beverage, you know? What if your beverage is terrible? It's a lot of pressure. (laughs) Yeah. What if I make a shit soda?
1: Uh, Yeah, I meant literally in the air pressure sense. Sure. Um, And they, they strongly encourage you to only put water in there. Oh. And then also because if you don't, then you got to clean the little nozzle, and it's sort of impossible because it's like hollow on the inside because air has to come out of it. Oh, uh, sure.
0: Well, have you ever <laughs> have you so ever tried to soda? Is
1: is yeah, both the the most and least crazy thing I've carbonated.
0: That's such a bummer, dude. Because I feel like if I'm I had one, sorry, of those. sorry, I didn't
1: want to ruin my kind of expensive thing.
0: <laughs> yes, because if I had a Soda Stream, I would absolutely be like, "Oh, we are gonna Soda Stream." Coca Cola, and see how soday we can make it. First
1: of all, it would explode, and your your face and your kitchen would be covered in Coca Cola, and also like shrapnel. Well, it's probably a good thing <laughs> I haven't
0: bought one of these. Then,
1: yeah, maybe this is not for you. This may be a purchase for others.
0: Toys that involve pressurized gas are probably uh-uh. not toys for me. Nope. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a uh, it's a piping hot day here. We're, uh, mm-hmm. you know, doing the dang thing. Back back played at it again. Golf.
1: I played some golf at 1230 today, and it was extremely unpleasant. Oh, wow. That sounds like mm-hmm. a mistake. <laughs> well, yes. But, I mean, it was still fun, but it
0: was very warm. I, feel I think like I lost about 10 pounds. I'm sure you maybe literally almost did. Uh, we used to have can Spencer Dunk... Uh, from a fan who made the website and it was just a yes yeah. or no until well, and, and it, it was no until the domain expired. <laughs> yes. Which is This <laughs> is a very depressing website. Yeah. But God bless it for existing for as long as it did. I feel like somebody needs to make Spencer golf and we just need to like track your golf handicap for <laughs> oh, like, sure. the next year. And and we have to set some sort of arbitrary is, like as we say, in- is there a goal? That's what I mean. Like, I feel like we say you can golf once you hit like a handicap of a certain number.
1: Let's uh, let's see. What do you think? Like overall, the average golf score is.
0: Well you think that's a, a number we could find. It's probably not average score. It's probably done by handicap. Like how many additional well, strokes.
1: Same, same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, sort of.
1: Well, uh, whatever. Eighty-two or a ten handicap. I mean, you know, we we can do some quick maths
0: sure uh i bet you it's i bet you it's the average is i wonder if it's if there's like a like just a for anybody any age
1: that's yeah uh golf week says uh although the equipment is found that on a given day, the average golfer would be expected to post a score of approximately a hundred when following all rules in regard to penalty strokes. So like no mulligans and actually counting penalties and shit.
0: Right. Um, but you, you've already, that seems way high. Yeah, I can, I can do that now. Or I mean, I can do better than that now. Um, I'm going to come golfing with you, but I'm just going to wear a Sasquatch costume and just hide in the bushes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so not with me. You're well, gonna go. <laughs> I'll be I'll be near you, but you won't know when I'm near you, and I'll just be like Whoa, from like over in the <laughs> over in the bushes and try to spook you guys while you're hitting balls. Um so my best
1: score, I've played maybe uh I don't know, like seven or eight times now.
0: Yeah. I think my best score so far is a ninety two. Okay. So, so do we give you 10 strokes and say, once you hit, once you hit an 82 oh, or under, then you, then you tough. officially golf. golf. Okay. How about 80, 84,
1: 84 or better,
0: 84 and I, or then better
1: that I can golf. That then, is considered being then, able to golf. Then you
0: are, then you are capable of golf. Uh, you know, it's funny. Dunking is a very like binary thing. You have either dunked the ball or you well, have not. Can you golf? well no, can you walk 18 holes and hit a ball with a stick a bunch of times? You can get a thousand and still have technically <laughs> right. golfed so I shot
1: a 300, but I played
0: 18 holes. <laughs> you technically golfed
1: um yeah well because like par is I mean if you can shoot par, you're like damn near pro you know what I mean like yeah yeah I probably have about the same chance of shooting par as I do dunking honestly.
0: Yeah well that's
1: what I'm saying We're not going to make you <laughs> both, shoot both are not going to happen <laughs> <laughs> Both are Both are essentially impossible Yeah um, uh, Alright let's, let's call it Let's say 85 We'll make it a nice round number
0: That's not round at all but I'll give you 85
1: <laughs> Well I, okay I mean sure <laughs> That's
0: not how rounding works but I'll give you 85 <laughs> Right <laughs> We're okay. rounding to the nearest five Then it's yeah. a round number I guess
1: Well, if we're rounding to the nearest four, so is 84.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. You get 80, 85. If you shoot at 85 or better, can will turn to a yes. (laughs) (laughs) That a website we don't currently own or probably have any real plans of building, but I like that. And if someone wants to do that, we should do that. I I certainly don't. All right. You're going to have to update us on your ongoing scores then. All right. Um,
1: Today, I shot roughly 100, but wasn't really keeping score (laughs) because it was hot and I was by myself. And I just fucking blasted golf balls until I got to the last hole. You golfed by yourself today. Oh, yeah, dude. It's lovely. I mean, when it's not a million degrees, it's it's really nice. You throw in a podcast. You can play in like half the time.
0: I I was actually just going to say, do you listen to something or do you just? Yeah.
1: I listened to a podcast and then, you know, it wasn't two and a half hours long. So then I listened to all of toxicity by system of a down on the back nine. <laughs>
0: what? what? <laughs> it was really nice. Okay. First of all, I would have been far too angry at how hot it was outside <laughs> for listening to system of a down, because that's just like, that's going to send you right over the edge.
1: Oh, that no, was great.
0: Second of all, that that was that was the soundtrack that was your your Uh peaceful hot summer day by myself soundtrack for golfing was toxicity yeah it's a good album bro you're something else you're something else (laughs) um you know the thing that probably made golfing better and i'm guessing is potentially going to be your joy this week if it's not solo golfing while listening to system of a down holy shit how did having a haircut feel
1: Oh, so good! I wasn't sure if I had ears anymore, but I do. They're under there, bud. They're in there. They're in. They're, they're on. In they're there. right where they used to be.
0: I got ears in there. Yeah, man. Uh, the, the yeah, ears I showed in up, there.
1: I show up this morning to uh, our friend who cuts both of our hairs, or you know, used to when that was a thing that people did. Right. Right. Um, And she spent like the first minute just just staring at me and laughing
0: like in my face for how absurd (laughs) my hair
1: was.
0: (laughs) Bro, I think I've gotten used to it because the 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 I mean, you had a fro, man. Like that shit was humongous. Yeah, I hadn't touched it in like four months at least. You it was it was either
1: it was either like end of January or first week of February that I last got a haircut.
0: And I think I knew that your hair curled because one time you showed me like your old ID photo from high school or maybe it was like the U of M. I can't remember. And I remember being like, whoa, it looks like that, huh? (laughs) (laughs) When you let it ride, it looks like that. But then I guess I forgot that your hair curled because I haven't seen it long enough to know that for a long ass time. But yeah, man,
1: I should have taken a photo, but there was a moment where. She had shaved the sides, but not touched anything on the top. Oh, so I had you like, should have left it! <laughs> <laughs> I, I stopped her for a second to be like, "Can this work?" And she's like, "No, no, it cannot." <laughs> like, could this be kind of hot though? <laughs> but yeah, I had like you know a sixteenth or something on the sides and like a foot on the top for a minute, but it didn't. It didn't last.
0: The the frohawk, if you will. Oof. <laughs> anyway,
1: that that did make me quite quite happy today. Although, like, I've just fucking sweated sunscreen into my eyes instead. Oh, sure, mm. that'll but, happen. You know, such is life. Trade offs, trade offs. Yeah, what's uh, what's your joy? I'd listed several things that made me happy today.
0: <laughs> um, man, I uh, hmm. oh, hey, I ate tacos last night. And okay. I haven't had tacos. Did you make them? What's that? Did you make them or did you buy them? I acquired them from a place that is in between. <laughs> That's a weird
1: choice of words. I have secured the taco <laughs> sounds bag. Like,
0: like it sounds like you found them. I have secured like the taco bag. Maybe bartered
1: bag. for some tacos.
0: Look, there or was someone. A guy, someone died and left you some tacos in their will. There was a guy in the alley, and he was like, "Hey, man." <laughs> If you punch I'm about me to die. Can I write
1: you in into this will real quick? I got this bag of tacos. No, nah, he was like, if you punch
0: me in the stomach, I'll give you these tacos. And I was like, that's a weird way to get some tacos, man. But I'm hungry.
1: I feel like I'm really close to dying. One good punch should probably do it.
0: <laughs> and then you get all my taco will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, uh, you said a place in between my house and yours.
0: Yeah, but it's not the place that, that you and I go all the time. It's the other place that you recommended the, that I go to. That's is more it the authentic. one across the street from that one? <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, yeah, they're delicious. Damn, that was a good taco. Yeah, man, they're they're fire. So I came home and I made my ass a margarita and I ate tacos and that was very dope. And now I'm going to have a taco problem because those tacos that we are referring to are significantly less expensive than other tacos in the area. Uh-huh. And they're maybe twice as delicious. And so I'm like, well, yep. now I'm going to order these twice a week. Yep. Mm-hmm. Y'all, go get a taco in your life. Go support a local business with proper social distancing and responsible behaviors, but support a local business and get a taco in your life, because, man... Support, it,
1: support yourself by eating more tacos.
0: Support yourself by having a <laughs> taco. That You will you have a better day.
1: Ryan, we have a shitload of voicemails. Oh, dang. Would we you haven't like,
0: done this in a hot minute.
1: Would you like to hear some of them, or would you like to save them and play a bunch of them on a voicemail episode sometime soon.
0: Let's do a voicemail episode sometime soon. We kind of promised we okay. were going to do one and you're right, we have had a shitload of them back up again since we did that last one. What was that? Like a month or two ago? Who knows. Time's not real. <laughs> um No idea. Yeah, okay. I like it. Let's let's do let's do that. Let's let's uh we'll commit to recording one of those in the next few weeks here. And we'll do another voicemail episode. If you want to be, if you want to potentially be part of the voicemail episode and you've never left us a voicemail before it's 612-246-4614, if you want to shout us a holler and uh, you can do whatever you can, you can roast us, you can tell us a story, you can ask us a question and uh, yeah. Did yeah. you say shout us a holler? Shout me a holler,
1: dog. Are, are those not synonyms? Shout me a holler, dog. If you'd like to shout us a shout, holler us a holler, you're the man now, dog us a hoot,
0: yo, we should get you're the man now, dog uh <laughs> as a sounder that would be so great, bad blame it, boys uh, okay. what
1: a bear. um, Ryan, I have a hypothetical question for you
0: it is does it start with the word what
1: no, it starts oh. with the word imagine.
0: Uh I thought and it the was the rest of it
1: goes. <laughs> I thought imagine it was... an airplane makes an emergency landing and breaks apart. As the cabin fills with smoke, everyone inside realizes we've got to get out of here. What happens? I'm going to give you two options. Okay? A. The passengers turn to their neighbors and ask if they're okay. Those needing assistance are helped out of the plane first. People are willing to give their lives even for perfect strangers. Or B. Everyone's left to fend for themselves. Panic breaks out. There's lots of pushing and shoving children, the elderly and people with disabilities get trampled. Which do you think happens a or B?
0: Oh boy. Um, so this like high key feels like a, uh, do you believe people are inherently good or inherently bad and selfish? Well, this is where we're going. Philosophical question. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, can I ask a qualifying question about your hypothetical? Sure. Is it a hypothetical or is this a real event that happened?
1: Uh, This is hypothetical.
0: It is. Although an actual I, hypothetical. I mean,
1: plane crashes have happened and I'm sure I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> and we're not talking about any specific one right now, though.
0: OK, my, what I was getting at was like, is this an actual incident that occurred that the people who survived documented what no. happened? Uh,
1: you. Uh, Maybe a better way of asking it is, which do you think is more likely to happen? Sure. Sure.
0: Well, my honest reaction is... I think the latter is most likely to happen. I think people, while not necessarily inherently bad... I don't know how I feel about this either, but I guess we'll go there because it seems like yep. we are. <laughs> but but I guess like it seems like to me like in a moment like that where shit is just fully hitting the fan, I feel like human beings would be more likely to revert to like animal instinct, self preservation, uh, survival mode. Like, run faster than the slowest person so you don't get eaten. Type shit. Sure. So
1: I ask because I want to talk about a book this week by Rutger Bregman. Sorry, I always want to say Bergman. Rutger Bregman. Yes, he wrote a book called *Humankind: A Hopeful History*. Bro, did you read it? I'm I'm in the process of reading it. I have not read the whole thing yet.
0: I Okay. So y'all, this is not a joke. Spencer and I, Spencer said, I've got one for us. I, I'm, I'm bringing it to the table. And I was like, okay, bet. And did not tell me what it was. So I have that book pre-ordered and it's coming to me oh, like nice. soon. It said, I think it dropped last week. Didn't it? Yeah. I just,
1: I got the Kindle version. So, Oh, got yeah. it. So
0: mine's like yeah. on the way to me right now, but I, I saw an article that was an extract from the book
1: guardian or somebody ran a chapter of it.
0: Yeah. I saw that. That's hilarious that you, okay, great. And was fascinated by (laughs) it. And then, well, I didn't read the whole thing. I just read enough to be like, this seems really cool. And then realized it was from a book and then ordered the book. And that was the extent of my, my participation. So
1: the hypothetical I just asked you is, is from the intro of that book and uh, a psych professor at you at the university of, Ronagin in the Netherlands asks this question to all of his students every semester. And about 97% say scenario B is more likely that people fend for themselves and fuck everybody else.
0: I'm part of the herd, man. <laughs> and
1: you actually mentioned uh, another thing that he brings up in this like intro, which is the veneer theory. There's a, a Dutch dude named Frans de Wall W A A L. Uh, Can I guess New what it is? is bas- yeah, go ahead. Okay. Ca- I mean, it's pretty self explanatory at all this right, point. Go ahead, but go, go for ahead. it.
0: Well, no, I guess I guess it was like in my head, I was thinking like, d- does this mean that all of our social decency and all of that is just like a surface level thing that is required of us, but stripped of the construct of society that is just a veneer and below it. We are yeah. all like, you know, savage, like evil people. Um, I mean, maybe not that strong, but yeah, <laughs> like uh <laughs> we don't have to self control or like human decency to others or whatever. Yeah. That,
1: it, that it's not like inherent that the, the, the foundations of society can break down very quickly and that it's more of like a veneer than a foundation, so to speak. Um, but, so this whole book is examples of how that's false and like why we think that way in spite of an overwhelming amount of evidence that it's not true. Interesting. Um, and the first example it gives is the disaster research center at the University of Delaware. They've done 700 field studies of all different types of disasters. Natural disasters, uh, economic disasters, whatever. Yep. And, of course, because we would know about if there had been, there's never been what they call, quote, total mayhem. And, in f- <laughs> and in fact, crime usually drops during times of disaster. Interesting. And they give the examples of, like, during... Uh, World War Two. the common thinking was like, yeah, we're going to bomb places because we're going to destroy things and kill people. But mostly if we destroy enough things and have like constant bombing, society will break down and people will mm-hmm. panic and there'll be chaos. And so we won't even have to do that much before like there's just chaos and people are essentially hurting themselves. Right, right, right. And uh, in London and then. With a bunch of other examples, the opposite actually happens. People band together and help each other more. And while London was being bombed by the Germans in World War II, their economy actually went up for a couple months because people were all supporting each other.
0: Damn. You know, it's it's interesting. It makes sense to a degree. I mean, from the guy who literally just said that people would fend for themselves a second ago. I guess there is an element, though, of it that makes sense where... There's a solidarity factor, right? Like, oh shit, we're all going through this together. And no We've seen that here in the last month. What's that? We've seen that here in the last month. I was almost yeah, I was almost already gonna bring that up. Like if it's if it's tough for everybody, then everybody has an ability to make it better for everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And in some ways, like, almost an obligation to help make it better for everybody, because if you help someone, you will in turn be able to be on the receiving end of help.
1: Yeah. Uh, they they use the example of her, Hurricane Katrina, too, in that, like, there was actually very little crime and violence in the aftermath of Katrina. Sure. And that that did happen was instigated by the National Guard. Wow. And so it was actually... Out some, you know, some force from outside of the community that was being affected. Um, and then there was tons of false reporting that ne- then never got like retracted because it's fucking TV news. And right. if you reported that there were six murders and then there weren't, you don't go back and run another news story saying that you fucked up. Sure.
0: Um. Seems like a hell of a business model. Yeah, we say well, stuff and when we're wrong, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we can we can have a
1: conversation about how harmful news and especially TV news is, but uh, it, it ain't great. So he writes, uh, our grim view of humanity is a nocebo. Are you familiar with that concept? The opposite of a placebo? Uh,
0: placebo is a thing that has a positive impact just by, like, thinking it. And a nocebo is a thing that has, like, a negative impact just by thinking or believing it.
1: Right. So his kind of overall thesis for why people think the way that 97% of us do, that people are generally, like, selfish and not to be trusted and not helpful. Um, He says, if we believe most people can't be trusted, then that's how we treat each other to everyone's detriment.
0: Yeah, that makes. So we a lot so, of it's sense. sort of self
1: self fulfilling. Like if we think that other people aren't trustworthy, we're not going to trust them. Therefore, we're not going to benefit from trusting each other. Right, and that reinforces the the view that like people aren't trustworthy because we're all going around not trusting each other.
0: Right, right. Huh. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. I, want, I wonder, um, because like it, it's it's an interesting. And maybe he gets into this in the book, but there's an interesting like, there's an interesting animal instinct part of this where, like, at a certain period of time in human development, there was a period of time where it was both beneficial to trust others and beneficial to not trust others at the same time. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, but or there were
1: he talks about negativity bias and how that's like <clears throat> instinctual in humans. And going back even before like lots of social interaction, it was safer to be fearful of things. Right. Just like in general across the board, because he puts it too much fear won't kill you, but too little can.
0: Right. And they say in some ways that that's why, or a lot of people say that that's why, uh, In the last, you know, however many generations we've seen such a huge onslaught of anxiety be a real thing, because for a long time it was important to be that like fearful and anxious and like constantly vigilant because it benefited you as a person to be that vigilant. And now it seems like it makes a lot more sense that like, yeah, there's a degree of vigilance that's necessary, but a lot of that is No, like no longer has an outlet, misplaced energy. Yeah. Well,
1: and I mean, it probably always, always was most of it, you know, like if most of the time you're scared of something, it didn't actually require it or wasn't like deserving of that fear.
0: Well, I mean, I think it depends on how far back we're talking. Sure. But even like, you know,
1: even if it was 20% in our early, early history. Sure. The vast majority of the time still, it's like, you would have been fine. Right. But right. the one time that you're not, you're dead. So it doesn't really matter.
0: Right. So <laughs> if we're so talking you know what? about. <laughs> I'm going to be scared 100% wi-
1: of the time. Wild beasts and shit. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. He also t- ties that negativity bias to news coverage and how that affects our view of the world and other people. um, And suggests that there's actually a negative relationship or like an inverse correlation between the news and what they report and reality. Well, simply, simply because the news is more likely to cover negative events than positive ones. Right. Or even the lack of negative things, right? Right. You're not going to go out and cover a place where like, Hey, I'm in fucking Delaware and everything's chill today. (laughs) See you tomorrow at five. Thumbs
0: up gang. Yeah, (laughs) Right.
1: All's Um, quiet
0: on the Western front.
1: And then, as those negative events get rarer, they actually get covered even more. Right. So for instance, plane crashes are super rare right now. Right. They haven't always been, but they are now. Right. And because of that, because they're so rare, when one does happen, it's worldwide news. I
0: read an article once that, that framed this. If it, if it were common, it wouldn't be newsworthy, <laughs> right?
1: It's but worthy it, it's of also being like, on the
0: news because it never happens or it rarely happens. And so it's like, oh, shit, that's news now. But if it's something but, that ha- happens every day, all day long, it doesn't make the news because it's not. Like, oh, shit, but, you know, but even with things that, like,
1: we know are rare, <clears throat> we vastly overestimate. Or underestimate how rare they are, because when they do happen. They're blasted out everywhere. Right, right. And especially with negative things because they get more coverage because we just naturally are more attuned to or more concerned with negative fear-inducing things than like,
0: uh, you know, positive slash status quo things. I would love to see a a study, and maybe there is one in the book, but I'd love to see a study that just asks people to estimate well, it, people are bad at estimating in general, though, that that's true. But like estimate, like how many murders do you think happen in the United States a year? Like how many plane yeah. crashes do you think happen around the world each year and how people actually We'd probably guess. all be way high on all of them? That would be my guess, except that people are just so bad at estimating in general. People might just be dumb and make dumb choices. But you're but I bet how you're right. How many murders happen annually? Be, uh,
1: six. Well, here, let's just do it. Really I don't know quick. anybody who got murdered. So I don't know, a couple. Well, maybe just, a dozen. We should just do it
0: quick. I should just pull up a handful all of right. these and be like, "How many of these do you think happened last year?"
1: I'm I'm willing to guess if you want to pull up the, uh, okay. the numbers. Um, we both can. If there's a way for you to pull it up without seeing them before guessing.
0: Um. All right. How many? Let's you just see. do like
1: U.S. crime stats or something.
0: Okay, I've got US murder and non-negligent manslaughter cases. Uh, okay. The most recent really year know the I
1: have a f- the two, but that's okay.
0: The most recent year I have is 2018. How many? And this is total for the country? Yep, all of the United States.
1: Whole U.S. for one calendar year, um, 2018. Yeah, calendar eighties. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 360 million people. Okay. <laughs> I'm but yeah. I'm just thinking like I'm trying to go like, what like how many per state, and then times 50. But then there are states where like probably fucking nobody gets killed in Wyoming because there's nobody there. Right. Um, I'm going to say. 6,000.
0: 16,214. Okay. Well, proving our point. <laughs> point wrong. <laughs> but.
1: Okay. Uh, but
0: the flip also, side. Also, like, like
1: I just read this book about how we're wrong about all this shit. So that's probably right. You're going, you're going, going the other bit. direction.
0: <laughs> also. In. In 1993, it was 24,530. So there's been a decrease so there's, over. There's a
1: good example of what we were just talking about. Yeah.
0: Over the last 30 years, but there's so been then, a decrease. Of, and because uh, of that,
1: murders are going to get more news coverage. Right. Because they're becoming more rare. Right. Dang. Uh, you got any other.
0: Um, any other uh, I was going to hmm. say fun,
1: but this is the, the
0: opposite of fun. Yeah, this is a little dark, I guess.
1: Um, plane crashes. Although I feel mm -hmm. like that's low enough that I could probably guess.
0: Um, whatever. (laughs) We can keep it moving. (laughs) How many? How many accidents involving? mm, (laughs) <laughs> damn this is look, look we depressing. tried to make a
1: point we we made the opposite point and now we're getting sad so let's keep going <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: i'm like looking at plane crash fatality numbers and i'm like this isn't doing anything for the fact that i'm yeah, already no, scared this, of
1: flying this is not what we're here for yeah uh actually okay so i want to get to the story that i think you read the, uh, the real-life Lord of the Flies story. Okay, but I didn't read it, just for clarity. Okay. Well, okay, the one that you referenced earlier. Yes. Um,
0: before we do that, we got to talk about BetterHelp real quick. BetterHelp is awesome. And, Spencer, I want to tell you why. Please, Ryan. We're all going to therapy in 2020 because, A, therapy's awesome. Done it. Been there. Enjoyed it. Excited to go back. Uh-huh. And, B... Because they make it as convenient as humanly possible for you to be able to participate in therapy. And I think for some people, there's a wall between uh, wanting to do it and how to do it. And BetterHelp uh, makes that wall disappear.
1: Honestly, the, the hardest part for me was like getting set up when I went when I started going to therapy, not through BetterHelp, was finding a therapist and actually making a first appointment. Totally. Which they make... Like could not possibly make easier. You with, can get set up and start talking to a therapist within 24 hours through BetterHelp.
0: Yeah, totally. And uh, you can message your counselor anytime. You have messaging services. You can do video calls. Um, so it's on your timeline. You don't have to necessarily schedule, you know, hour-long appointments and wait multiple weeks to get a response uh, like, like there is through traditional therapy. You don't have to go sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with a bunch of other people and wait to go in and have therapy. Um, BetterHelp takes all that away. Uh, if you go to betterhelp.com slash what if uh, our listeners get 10% off of your first month of BetterHelp. They've got experts uh, with a broad range of expertise to match what you need and what you want to talk about. And if you're dealing with a relationship issue or you know if you want a therapist that specializes in LGBT matters and that's not something that you can necessarily find in your area um, BetterHelp is going to match you with people who are best able to help you so that you literally get better help. It's like it's in their name dude
1: <laughs> So go to betterhelp.com slash what if to get 10% off your first month of therapy i to therapy Ryan, did you read Lord of the Flies
0: in school? So, no. Okay. N- never never covered to cover, but I had an English class where we had to read sections of it.
1: Gotcha. you. So I know um, the
0: story, like but like I a, don't know it like I don't know it, know it.
1: Were you in like a remedial English class where they only gave
0: you parts of books or what <laughs> what's what's the <laughs> They were like, "Look, We know you're not gonna be able to finish the big kid books. (laughs) What's up with (laughs) y'all? Wouldn't that be? I'm a (laughs) dumbass. Wouldn't that be? (laughs) 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 Teacher. What's up with y'all, Ryan? I'm a (laughs) dumbass. It's like it's like if they gave you a class where they don't actually assign the books; they just assign the actual Cliff Notes. Right. They're right, like you right, right. can't handle the whole book, you can handle the cliff notes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's all we're going to give you. So, speaking of cliff notes,
1: um the if you're not familiar, the plot of Lord of the Flies is that a bunch of kids get stuck on an island together and very quickly it devolves into total chaos and kids die and there are heads on stakes and it's just like It's like power hierarchy and yeah, it's just a total nightmare within like the first week. Yes. Um, And it whatever it became a super famous book. Um, It was made into a movie and it kind of became like the benchmark of this veneer theory that uh, under stressful situations, we will revert to our most animalistic. Right. Right. So Bregman obviously doesn't believe that. Um, and so start digging into William Golding, who wrote the book to figure out like where, where did the story come from? Or like what were dudes motivations for writing this story in this way? <laughs> he's
0: He's like, Hey man, you started a real shitty trend.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or like, I guess to try and see like, Is there more to this um, or are there just like these cultural touch points that we're all familiar enough with? Right. That we use as like these references or examples, but aren't actually true. Right. Or if there was like something underlying that this was based on. Sure. Um, Turns out William Golding was a very depressed alcoholic who sympathized with The Nazi Party. Oh, bummer! (laughs) Sounds like a bummer. Um, And once divided his own students into gangs and encouraged them to attack each other. Whoa! So he may have been predisposed to a very uh, specific type of narrative that is represented in *Lord of the Flies*.
0: What did they? Did he say how old these kids were? What grade Uh, was he teaching?
1: No, I don't know. Hopefully college, I guess, although it's not great no matter what.
0: He's like, the first rule about freshman year is you don't talk about freshman year. (laughs) Now beat his ass, Steve.
1: Okay, first
0: graders.
1: (laughs) You got this half of the room gets knives. This half of the room gets nunchucks.
0: Teacher, I need help with my arithmetic. Punch your friend in the (laughs) face. What? One punch. What? Ah, ah, ah. (laughs) Two
1: punches. Ah, ah, ah. Anyway, uh, also a quote from William William Golding that's included in in this book is, quote, I have always understood the Nazi because I am that sort by nature, end quote.
0: Oh, wow. What? Wow. Yep. That's that's the guy who wrote Lord of the Flies. Oh, this guy's terrible. I hate that we're talking about his book now. Well, we're done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were only
1: talking about his book to roast him and say how wrong he was. Yep. Uh, so Bregman wanted to find uh, like an actual example of the Lord of the Flies premise where kids get, or people even, get stuck on some isolated situation right, and have right. to fend for themselves. So he found, he found an article from October of 1966 in an Australian paper called The Age. And the title of the article was Sunday showing for Tongan castaways. And it was about a group of six boys who had been found on a small rocky island, uh, south of Tonga which is a little group of islands in the Pacific. Mm. And uh, they had been rescued after being marooned, excuse me, marooned on the Island of Atta for more than a year.
0: Damn.
1: And in the article, uh, it listed the name of the guy who found the boys and brought them back to Tonga. His name was Peter Warner. And Bregman decided that he was going to track him down and see if he could get the whole story from him.
0: Okay, look, all I'm going to say is we have talked about, though, they could have washed up on a different island and that could have gone a lot differently. (laughs) You mean an inhabited one? Yes. Oh, there was nobody on this island? No. uh -uh. Oh, got it, it, got it, got it. uninhabited, tiny little rocky island. Got it. And they were just like, it's just us. Yeah, they were the only people there. I would watch a version of Survivor that isn't people like undercutting each other for pizza parties where they just are and like doing jungle gym fucking activities where they just straight up put ten people on an island and they're like, We're we got cameras in the trees and we'll see you in 90 days. We hope it goes so, good. It
1: it's amazing you've for like the fourth time today, you are very uh you've you've done a lot of unintentional foreshadowing today. Tight. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll get there in a minute, but the, uh, the short version is the the guy who created survivor has read Lord of the flies like a dozen times in his life and was very influenced by it.
0: I mean, that's sort of what made me think of it was like between marooning people on an Island and, and obviously survivor is like survivor is undercutting each other because there's like a singular prize to win. So they're forcing you, but that's, that's what made me go like, well, if there was no like. Like, people are like, okay, we're here for the TV show we Survivor. just have to survive. Yeah. And it's just straight up like, no, there is no prize. We're just going to film you for well, 90 days, and then you're done.
1: And you know reality TV does a bunch of stuff to, like, force action, too, because... Totally.
0: The only just people saying, cast watching people, are people Chill who, for a
1: day. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they do their best to create conflict whenever possible. Anyway, so uh, Bregman found Warner... And started getting this story from him. And it started when he... So he's from... Peter Warner's from Brisbane, Australia. And was in Tonga in the 60s to ask the king of Tonga if he could trap lobsters in the waters off the coast. Tight. The king said no. And so Warner was f- sailing the 200,000-ish miles back to Brisbane... That's way too many miles to be on a boat. Right? One way. Um, And he passed by Atta and saw burned patches of grass on the cliffs, which he thought was weird because he knew it was uninhabited. And natural fires don't really happen very often. So he gets closer. And as he's getting closer, he sees a kid run and jump off the cliff that he's looking at and start swimming towards his boat. And this, bro, <laughs> <laughs> this like naked 16 year old starts hoofing it through the ocean towards his boat, gets up on the side of the boat and says, my name is Fatai. There are six of us and we reckon we've been here for 15 months.
0: Wow. That would so, be s- such a trip. <laughs> right.
1: What so year was the this other, again? Fr- 66. 66. So the other five kids, they were all between, uh, I think, 13 and 16 at the time. The kids were. Yeah. The other five kids all are, like, right behind them, diving off the cliff, swimming towards the boat.
0: Hell they yeah, get give me the fuck out of here.
1: Yeah. And they explained that they're, they were students at a boarding school in Nuk- Nuku'alofa, which is the capital of Tonga, or was in 66, at least. Yeah. And... They took a fishing boat out and got caught in a storm, and washed up on this island. Bro,
0: these guys could still be alive.
1: Yeah, at least one of them is.
0: If you're thirteen and sixty-six, you are around, probably. Yeah,
1: yeah, at least one of them is, and he Warner or uh, sorry Bregman found one of them through Warner. Um. So anyway, Warner Radios to the capital and explains that these kids just climbed on his boat and said they're from a school there. <laughs> and Would you like your the, kids back? <laughs> yeah, they call the school, and then Warner gets a call 20 minutes later saying, you found them. These boys have been given up for dead. Funerals have been held. If it's Whoa. them, it's a miracle.
0: Whoa, that's such a trip. Yeah. So Bregman threw
1: Warner and then uh, Mano Tato, who is one of the boys and some other news sources that they track down. He starts pulling this whole story together and, uh, comes up with this basically in June of 65, these six dudes who were between 13 and 16 were super bored and hated their boarding school. So they decided to steal a boat and sail to Fiji, which was about 500 miles from where they were. (laughs) (laughs) god yes bless these children i mean it's really stupid and this is like probably the most likely outcome absolutely
0: but the boldness of six kids being like fuck you fuck your school fuck this shit i'm going to fiji and i'm gonna drink coconut water for the rest of my life is pretty awesome
1: and we don't have a boat, so we're stealing one.
0: And they didn't even uh, die, bro. I mean, like, come on, they no. won.
1: They uh, they took a local fisherman's boat, and they loaded up two sacks of bananas, a few coconuts, and a small gas burner. That's all they brought. You gonna burn
0: for your? Six, co- you gonna heat up your coconuts, bro? What what well, is that?
1: Catch some fish, maybe. Oh, that's some like water. when
0: we get to Fiji for. Well, I'm, you know, you can probably fish off the boat. It's a fishing boat. Well, you can't fish off the boat if you only brought bananas and coconuts. Well,
1: okay. Sure. Plus whatever is on the boat, I'm assuming.
0: They're just going to dangle the youngest kid in the water. (laughs) (laughs) It's raining motherfuckers. Uh,
1: (laughs) The first night they were already fucked. They all fell asleep the first night and woke up in the middle of a huge storm which broke their sail and their rudder. So by the second morning they were drifting in the Pacific.
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to officially nope the fuck out.
1: They drifted for 8 days without food or water because all they brought were bananas and coconuts. That, and they I, managed
0: I'm, I'm actually shocked that they, that didn't kill them all.
1: Well, they managed to catch a few fish and it rained a couple times and they collected rainwater. So they had, like, a couple right. sips of water and and a sixth of a fish each day. I mean, yeah, smart-ish. Um, on the eighth day, they drifted up to Atta, which is a small, or at least was, uninhabited island, and lived there for roughly 15 months. And by the time Warner showed up, they had made a garden. Rain barrels for collecting drinking water and for their garden lit. They had built they had built a gym with like free weights and shit. Incredible. A badminton, a badminton court.
0: Incredible.
1: They were keeping chickens.
0: What? Yes. (laughs) God, dude. And they had a
1: permanent a permanent fire that had been burning for over a year. They tend to do a fire twenty four hours a day, so that they would always have fire.
0: How did and they kept it going
1: for over a year?
0: How they start it? Did they go like stick and yeah, and then once they got it going, just never let it go out. Bro, this is like if Castaway and Swiss Family Robinson had a baby. Do you ever yeah. watch Swiss Family Robinson when you were a kid? That movie rips. No. <laughs> oh, that movie so dope. It's a movie. Hell yeah! I thought I was like a series or no Am it's I thinking a, of something else you thinking of Gilligan's Island my G
1: no I know that one
0: it's a little bit of all of the above
1: 1960 film yeah sure enough uh no I've never never seen that
0: anyway it's tight they built really cool tree houses and I wanted to live in one <laughs> when I was a child yeah huh. fair enough I was like why not me why can't I get shipwrecked and ride an elephant and like have a super they cool an house elephant? in a tree they for sure Man. had an elephant, bro. Wow.
1: Swiss Family Robinson was a great investment. Budget of four million and it made forty. It's pretty good. It's pretty decent. I bet it's made more p- since. Thousand percent return. Um okay, so they had, yeah, all they were keeping chickens, they had a permanent fire, and they had developed a system of working in teams of two for all of the just like labor that they had to do from day to day. They had developed their own conflict resolution techniques. They prayed together every morning and before they went to bed. And one of the kids made a coconut or a guitar out of a coconut and
0: steel wire that they took from the boat. I see. I don't know why they left, bro. (laughs) This is what I've been working my whole life to achieve is just a little plot with a garden and some chickens and. Right. They had it by the time they were 16. They're crushing Uh, it. They could have retired, bro. They could have retired. That's what I'm saying. They did
1: retire for 15 months. They uh they had some issues including storms. Their hut got destroyed at one point. Um one of the kids broke his leg. Oh dip. And they dude they set his leg with like this homemade fucking brace. And then the other five kids just did his work for 6 weeks until he could start doing stuff again. That's crazy. <laughs> right? That's crazy. Um when they got back, so when they got rescued, they all had medical exams and they were all given clean bills of health. So they managed to keep themselves like completely healthy for 15 months.
0: Damn, dude. And the kid's leg had
1: even healed like fine.
0: Damn, son. Yeah. These kids get uh, it, bro. However, when they got
1: back, as always, the police fucked things up and arrested, arrested them for stealing the dude's
0: fishing boat and put him in jail. I mean, I fucking guess. What the fuck? (laughs) So can we all just be like, hey, bro, sorry about your boat. Uh, We'll work it off or some shit.
1: Well, Warner, the the fisherman who found him, uh, just paid the cranky old bastard for his boat and jail and bailed the kids out. What a badass. That guy rules. And And then hit up a local news station to produce a documentary about them. And said, Hey, I would I would like five hundred dollars or whatever it took to pay the dude for his boat and the and the uh bail bailing him out and then y'all can keep the rest.
0: <laughs> Wait, is there a documentary
1: about this I can watch? There is a documentary. It you cannot watch it. Um Damn. it was never released and uh Bregman watched, like, he found the dude who made it and watched his original footage of it, but there's no, like, existing cut, viewable version of it anywhere.
0: Big trash.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so the one example we have of this Lord of the Flies scenario was, like, the exact opposite. Yeah, right, right, right. These, these kids built, like, a fucking hippie commune. Within the first three months. Yeah. Yeah. And were in perfect health and governing themselves.
0: Yeah. And helped each other out when they were hurt or sick and like survived. Yeah. That fucking rips, dude. I love it. Right? I love it. <laughs> there uh he
1: he puts in a, a couple other like similar but I guess less uh in depth examples and it talks about survivor but how like that started reality tv as we know it and the whole like false or like manufactured conflict angle of all that shit
0: well and also um, just it being a competition like the the competition well, exactly. for those six boys was like can we not die
1: <laughs> right the more of us there
0: are the better all of our chances are yeah provided there's a, enough food around for that to be true yes that's well yeah, but yeah, but six, totally. Like we we need six each of other us to... is better than one of us. Right.
1: Um. He found a, a reality show called Kid Nation that tried putting forty kids together in a ghost town in New Mexico. What?
0: <laughs> what?
1: Which we need to find. I don't know if it ever like actually happened but we holy shit, dude i need you to google kid nation right now
0: okay bro i just want to say before One season, i make 13 this episodes google, before i make this google i want to be very clear this is obviously a crime <laughs> like, <laughs> dude
1: look at the first fucking picture that comes up kid and please describe nation. what you see no way.
0: <laughs> All right, y'all. I am looking at the derpiest child I've ever seen in a, in a red mock turtleneck with uh some, some oval glasses and like a straw cowboy hat. <laughs> and he is grinning ear to ear. But I wouldn't be if I was marooned in a ghost town in new mexico with a bunch of strange kids this ran on cbs in
1: 2007 for 13 episodes i would love to read you the synopsis quickly please do
0: because i can't get over this derpy looking kid he's cracking my whole (laughs) shit up man he looks
1: like such a goof ass the whole first episode is on youtube by the way oh Uh, 40 kids ages 8 to 15 spend 40 days without parents in bonanza city new mexico a ghost town where they try and create a community. They cook their own meals, haul their own water, clean their own outhouses, and even run businesses. Four peer leaders are elected who pass laws and set bedtimes. No one is voted out at the town meeting that closes each episode, but any kids who have had enough can simply raise their hands and leave.
0: I, I, uh, I just want to go ahead and say I did not read the synopsis, but I did scroll through the Wikipedia page to the very large section entitled Treatment of Children and Broader Legal Implications. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no shit. Why a ghost town? I don't understand. Just
1: because they'd be isolated? I guess. Oh, boy. It's got a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. There is...
0: That's actually better than a lot of shows on IMDb. Yeah, right? So anyway, there was that one. Um,
1: And then he starts talking about the Stanford prison experiment, which we, I think, did a whole episode on, right? At some point, one of the live shows, maybe? I think so. A long time ago. So his take, and he provides a lot of uh, good evidence is that that was essentially a hoax or that the the outcome was determined before they started the experiment. If you're not familiar, the Stanford Prison Experiment um, was done at Stanford in the early 70s. Um, they, Dr. Zimbardo, who was a psychology professor there, had a bunch of students in a fake prison in a basement of one of the psych buildings— and they were running they had they were broken up into teams of guards and prisoners um and sort of left on their own to develop a, a prison system um it didn't end well people were being physically and verbally abused uh it got out of hand and they ended it after i don't know like remember how long it was maybe like a week or so
0: it was like 10 days t- t- 10 days i think The the i think again though there's there's a primary i mean maybe he calls this out but there's a primary difference here which is that there's a con there's a construct of these people are prison workers and these people are prisoners and you have to live inside of this power dynamic this construct that we've created for you which right which but i think is it was it was
1: way more prescribed than that too, though. Like that's right, the right. that's the given premise by Zimbardo. But he gets into like it was well, I'll just give some examples. Um they had he had a meeting Zimbardo did with the people had been selected as guards before they started the experiment. Yep. And said, quote We can create a sense of frustration. We can create fear in them. We're going to take away their individuality in various ways. They're going to be wearing uniforms, and at no time will anybody call them by name. They will have numbers and be called only by their numbers. In general, what this should create in them is a sense of powerlessness.
0: Right, they're they're trying to... So it
1: was never objective.
0: No, well, no, And, and I think like the... I think the, maybe the broader implication here is like with power dynamics previously explained and understood to you consciously or subconsciously, do you as a human act shittier than you would right. if those social constructs were not in place and they were just all, if if all any, everyone was trying to do together was survive. But even, even when this like,
1: power dynamic is set like they still had to instigate the action with the Stanford prison experiment. Yeah. Oh, got it. Like, yes, I agree. And that was sort of what the the premise was supposed to be is that like with, if someone is given power, will it corrupt them is essentially like the crux of how it's presented. Sure. But really the answer to that, even from that flawed experiment, was no. And Zimbardo had to like step in and create it. And like so he has quotes from one of the guards who said, I set out with a definite plan in mind to try and force the action, force something to happen so that the researchers would have something to work with. Mm. After all, what could they possibly learn from guys sitting around like it was a country club?
0: And I think, like, you know, regardless of whether or not those things happened, I guess I just what I, all I'm trying to say is I feel like it's a it's still an inherently different scenario than just like six kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. On, yeah, yeah. A, on a beach, you know? No, it absolutely is. I, I, what I'm saying is even
1: in this scenario where it's set up for one group to have power over the, the other. People still resist it. Sure. Um, There's a a quote from another one of the guards in the Stanford prison experiment um, who was talking to one of the other guards. So this dude, uh, David Jaffe actually came up with the idea for this experiment, ran it on his own in his dorm basement with his, with his (laughs) dorm mates And then happened to be in one of Zimbardo's classes and said, hey, we did this thing. It was interesting. Maybe you should try it. And then Zimbardo did and took, like, all the cues from Jaffe. Damn. Who had all these, like, fucked up sadistic rules for it that Zimbardo just allowed them to introduce to his study. And Jaffe was one of the guards in Zimbardo's study. Huh. So, Jaffe, they have audio an audio recording of Jaffe telling one of the other guards that he has to be tougher and more forceful with the prisoners. Got it. And the other guard says, I'm sorry if it was up to me, I wouldn't do anything. I'd just let it cool off. Got it. So you have like kids at even with all of this, like, Hey, you're a guard. You should be doing these things. This is your role. And the dude's still like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds shitty. I'm not interested.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And the one They also have quotes From the one I forget his name But the one student Who left The Stanford Prison Experiment Early Uh, And It's always pointed to As like Shit got so crazy So fast And a dude had a Mental breakdown On the second day He said that On the The second day He realized that He wasn't gonna be able To do homework While he was there And wanted to leave He asked to leave And they said no So he faked a mental breakdown To get out and go do homework
0: Oh my god That's amazing (laughs) That's amazing. And is now a PhD psychologist. That guy? Anyway, yeah. (laughs) It's interesting because this is totally another one of those instances of like this experiment has informed people's bias. Yeah. So for a really long time. Because of
1: that and because like so much has come out about how flawed and like directed by Zimbardo it was. Two psychologists, Alexander Haslam and Steven Riker, tried to redo it in 2002, and they let the BBC film it. So there's a BBC show that lasted four episodes called The Experiment, um, where they did the same thing, but they didn't give the guards any instructions on how to act. It just said, you guys are guards, you guys are prisoners,
0: here you go. And it turned into a country club, I bet.
1: Well, basically, yeah. Um, I'm going to just summarize or read um, Bregman's summary because I couldn't, I could only find clips. I couldn't find any of the full episodes available in the U.S. Um, He said, on the first day, one guard said he'd rather be a prisoner. (laughs) On day two, the guards and prisoners shared food. On day four, they made plans to go to the pub together when the show was done. On day 5, they set up a democracy. <laughs> on day on day 6, some prisoners escaped only to join the guards for a smoke. On day <laughs> on day 7, they took a vote in favor of creating a commune, and they soon ended the experiment mostly because it was too boring for TV. The final episode consists mostly of footage of men lounging around on a sofa.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> They're just, like, trying to poke so, people with a stick, like, mm, come on, it's not moving. Well, yeah, so they didn't do
1: anything to, like, intervene or create uh conflict of any kind. And they actually had an independent ethics committee observing the whole thing, who had the authority to stop the experiment at any time.
0: Oh, interesting. And they didn't need As it. A,
1: well, they did. Uh, they actually did end it, like, a day or two early. Um. And I can't I can't find out why exactly because I can't watch these episodes anywhere so that ethics committee did decide to end it early. But I'm not sure why and all the summaries I can find are like it was chill and good and people were happy. So hmm. I, some information is definitely missing there, but okay no one uh was put into solitary confinement or had mental breakdowns at least
0: sure it just seems interesting that if a third-party ethics committee ended the experiment like that seems like kind of counter to all of the descriptions of agreed it. right seems but like I, something I should have gone bad real quick well
1: yeah and i i don't know what sort of things were concerning to them either you know like yeah maybe it was something relatively minor or like Plus they had gotten the information they needed or one person wanted out and then the whole experiment would have been cocked or right. yeah. Huh. Anyway, I think you'll enjoy the book.
0: I'm super excited is to it, read it, man. I when I saw that article and saw that it was from a book, I was immediately like, oh, this is this is great. Cause I also think just generally speaking, like I don't know that I'm a fully pessimistic person, but I am definitely like on the more pessimistic side of the spectrum. And so I feel like that's why I immediately wanted to read it. Cause I was like, Oh, this for sure challenges some of my pre preconceived notions about people. And I'm yeah, interested in that challenge for sure.
1: I think it's, uh, especially relevant in some ways right now too, with like the conversations around authority and public perception, uh, around, you know, all things negative, the way that news reports things negatively. Um, yeah, it just like, it it obviously was written before, uh, COVID and before all of the, uh, reaction to George Floyd and other killings and brutality. Um, but it, it like definitely applies to all of that.
0: Totally. And also from the community angle too, right. Of like, who's gonna, who's going to, Protect us as a group, if potentially right. there yeah, are exactly there are not police. Yeah,
1: it fits very well into that conversation too. Of like, no, look, we we can
0: survive as groups, and actually, we more often than not we flourish and take care of each other instead of yeah. looking to a power dynamic to take care of us. Exactly.
1: Um, before we get out of here, Ryan, we have a shout out to read this week.
0: Oh, dip. Hey, if y'all didn't know In the store at shop.whatifpodcast.com If you give us 50 bucks, we'll read Pretty much anything Um Yes Pretty much
1: (laughs) Also, if you're the guy who said You were gonna send us your resume and never did To read as a shout out Um I mean, I hope you just got a job, that'd be tight But if you still want us to read your resume, you should email it to us And (laughs) we will, uh We'll do that We'll read it and we help we find that. a job. Uh where the fuck do I find these, Ryan? Are they in our orders? Let me find this.
0: It's it's in the notes section. Oh, here of, we go.
1: Here we go. I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah,
0: buddy. This is from
1: uh what was this from? James? This is from James. Good eye, James, James says. James says, to my darling Heidi Jane, you are still and will always be worth the wait. Aww. I wish you a happy birthday from your adoring hubby, and so do the dudes at What If. Woo-woo. Sure do.
0: Happy, Mish meh, that, that woo-woo was
1: in there. Yes, angel, they just said your name. Happy birthday! With a bunch of A's and exclamation points. <laughs> I love you so, and no, I still have a What If-sized crush on you. You're my everything. Heidi's birthday is on June eighteenth. If you could fit her in the Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. perfect. Happy birthday, Heidi! We wish you the happiest of days. We (laughs) hope you eat cake or whatever makes you happy to eat (laughs) and drink on your birthday. All right, love you guys. We love you hanging out with us. We appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening. Yeah, if you wanna leave us a voicemail for that voicemail episode it's 612-246-4614. Emails are hi at what dot com. Uh check out the shop. We got uh we got all kinds of fun shit in there. Mugs and shirts and posters and and shout-outs like the one for Heidi and her birthday. So uh go check that out too. And uh, if you want double the episodes, you can go to patreon.com slash what a podcast for only five bucks a month and get two episodes a week, plus access to a back catalog of our show of over a hundred episodes. Can you believe so many all that extra shit you get for just five bucks a month? It's so, so much inexpensive. You can't afford not to buy it. Love (laughs) y'all. See you next week. We ain't down with killing. We down with chilling. Peace. Peace.